my name is Deborah Hamilton, and welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This podcast seeks to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view and disciplines. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of this podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations so that every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to your joining us on this journey toward a better understanding of similar and divergent points of view. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening first. I'm so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's get started. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton again, and I am so grateful to be here on the Why Do Pets Matter podcast with my good friend, Tiffany Scheibel, who is Tips the Scale Consulting. Tiffany, tell us a little more about Tips the Scale and how you got there, and then we'll ask you the big question, why do pets matter to you? Awesome. So I um, actually started within the, the veterinary industry back in 1999, so it's been 20 years. Um, I worked with a startup company through the entire growth of this single company through a number of different mergers, acquisitions, and so forth. And eventually in 2015, I kind of came to the end of the road in, in that position. So I had a really nice long ride, um, 16, 17 years within the same group, working with a lot of the same people and had gained tremendous experience having worked with a company that went from startup all the way through that growth phase, junior phase, preparing it for um, acquisition and so forth. So what I wanted to do at that point is, you know, I've been doing the same thing with the same group of people with the same product for 17 years. And I wanted to take that experience and kind of go out to other young companies and be able to help them do something similar. Um, the space had changed really dramatically as far as the adoption of technology, um, but some of the roadblocks and some of the challenges had and still continue to stay consistent when you're working directly with veterinary practices. So what I do is I consult with companies that have a product or service that they want to be able to present and sell and encourage within a veterinary practice. Um, and I've had really, really good fortune to be able to work with some, some great smaller and larger companies over the past uh, three to four years. Awesome. So then tell the audience why pets matter to you. Uh, pets have always mattered to me um, and have always been a really significant part of my life. Um, growing up, we had chickens, guinea pigs, bunnies dogs, cats, you know, the kind of typical menagerie that you have in a suburban household. Um, but what I would say is more relevant to where I am right now and why pets are, are really such a big part of, of my life and my focus is one of, one of my daughters, I have four children, I have two daughters and two sons. One of my daughters, Sophie, um, is completely engaged in animals. Um, it is her focus day in and day out as far as learning about them, protecting them, and really developing bonds with the animal world. Now, she's 11 years old, but this started when she was just a toddler. And all of her interest was geared towards, 
you know, instead of playing with dolls or Barbies, she would play with animal figures. She would play with anything that was related to the animal kingdom, all of her stuffed animals. Um, and she has a really, really close and special bond with one of our cats. So we have um, a three-year-old Bengal cat named Chitara. And they literally are best friends. That is her best buddy in the world. Um, and when, when, she, when Sophie's not home until she gets home from school, Chitara will cry for her, wander around, sniff her room. And, you know, I'll just say, you know, your girl's coming home. You're just going to have to, you're going to have to wait. Um, but again, there, there's a lot of factors of why pets matter, but more relevant to like some of the, the, my current environment is it's so important to my children and particularly my, my daughter that she gives me a completely different perspective on how important having that animal in your life is, not just as an adult or in different phases, but also for our children so that they can really learn how to be empathetic, compassionate people. And how old is Sophie? She's 11 years old. So that's um, that, that tweeny age. Yes. And she, I mean, you know, when she, she's great because she'll come up um, and have all these fun facts. Um, one of her favorite Netflix series is Planet Earth. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, of things that you know, children and preteens can get involved in nowadays, you know, if they're on YouTube or on the internet, or they get into some type of Netflix series or some kind of tween thing. Um, and not all of it is, is <clears throat> excuse me, detrimental, but I'd much rather see her be interested in something that has that kind of value and that she can come away with it and have conversations. She's just, she's the sweetest kiddo when it comes to her critters. Um, she put together recently a petition that she had her brothers and me and her dad and a variety of other people sign that was a commitment that we would try to save sea turtles. So she decorated a whole sheet of paper. She lined it out. She essentially developed the language of a petition. And she came and she said, you know, I need you to commit to try to save sea turtles. Will you sign my petition? And I was like, Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and again, she'll say certain things like, you know, th that type of plastic kills sea turtles. And I was like, that's right. And we have to like really watch what we do and we have to watch our consumption and what we buy. But she's the one bringing that to the forefront of the conversation. And that's, you know, th th that's a big part of why all animals, but particularly for at least my children, they're cats at this point in time. We've had dogs, we've had cats, um, but their companion animals in the homes with them really give them that level of empathy towards a, you know, a creature you have to take care of. Um, so that, you know, that continues to reinforce. I mean, I've had different motivations throughout my career. It's never been hard to find motivation to do what I do within this industry. I've never had a moment where I've thought, you know, this is a bunch of, of, of really miscreants that I don't want to work with. Um, but currently that the, my children really help me see how valuable what I do actually is. If downstream from what I do is actually something that is really, really important, which is, you know, improving patient outcomes and improving the health and wellness of our critters, which again, having been in the industry for 20 plus years, I've seen that change. 
change um, in a positive way. And, and even being a small part of that really gives me tremendous amount of satisfaction. And it's so interesting because what you were talking about is, is something that most of us don't pay much attention to the impact of what we use every day on the environment, which could impact sea turtles and beyond. Um, And it's funny because and beyond is a, is a place where I stayed off of the coast of Tanzania. And all we did was save sea turtles because the mother sea turtles would come in and lay their eggs at night. Um, And then we'd mark the uh, nests and 25 days later, uh, all the guests at this, um, hotel. It was the only hotel on the island, a very small island, very small open air rooms and things, um, would be called at five o'clock when it was the safest to uncover the turtles so they wouldn't have to dig their way out. Some of them did and all of a sudden we saw them on the side of the beach going down to the ocean because the most treacherous time for sea turtles, I'm sure you know this since your daughter is such a sea turtle fan, is from the nest to the ocean drawer. And so they would have all the, the um, people who stayed at the hotel come out and stand there and escort the 165 <laughs> to 200 little turtles to the water. And so it went from two in a thousand that make it to two years of age to like six in a thousand that make it to two years of age because we got so many in the water. Um, and, and it just, it, so this really resonates with me and all of those plastic tops that we, um, throw away and the, and the can holders that they're now, t- I posted something that they're making them out of, um, I think corn or snap yeah, yeah. peas or something so that we don't have to have plastic anymore is great. And the fact that youngsters are, you know, young people, uh, I'm aging myself by saying youngsters, uh, young people are really finding a way to, Uh, bring animals into their life that really matter to them. And I know when you're going through middle school and high school, sometimes your best friend is your animal. Yeah. Um, And that's, I mean, and that's where I would draw the kind of the, you know, it starts almost with anything. It starts at home or it starts relatively small, but it has that ripple effect. And so having always had animals within the house, there was that level of comfort that, over time, I think if you don't, if you have someone who has maybe gone with a gap between they've had between having a cat or dog, or maybe had them when they were young, and then as they got settled, decided to then invest and actually take the time and energy to raise an, a, a pet, um, you take for granted how much they add to your environment. And um, so sometimes it takes that lack of to understand how much they add to it. But my children have always had, um, again, whether it was our dogs or our cats, have had that comfort, which until it's taken away, you you can, you know, kind of um, assume that, you know, it's just part of, you know, natural life. They're just, you know, they're, they're just part of your family. They don't really add that much. You just feed them or this, that, and the other but it's really not the case. And that ripple effect is that it allows the kids to see beyond their house. And that's, that's like the bigger, the bigger issue with me is that once they're able to make the connection that this animal and in our instance right now, it's cats um, is important and, and has this, um, you know, value, there's a personality, there's a relationship 
they can then kind of place that on other animals throughout the entire chain. Um, what's funny about my daughter is, again, she loves planet Earth. So there are, you know, it, it's definitely something where you see the circle of life. And so she'll tell me, because like, I'm like, are you sure you want to watch this? And she's like, it's okay, mom. It's the circle of life. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's a great perspective, but uh, you're, you're, you're much tougher than I am. But again, it does give them that ability to understand that animals, as much as humans are, animals are part of our shared environment and they're part of this, you know, cycle and circle of life. And if we ignore that, you know, we're, we're really doing that disservice to, to our, our planet. And, you know, again, it starts with something as understanding that your cat is part of our family and part of our life um, and being able to then take that further on out. And, you know, I, again, the, with the kids, you know, they're, they're, they're the, the keepers of the future. So if they, if they can do it um, and start getting a good sense of it, then we're in much better position as we move into the next 20, 30, 40 years. And I love the way you put it because it's, it's not just about that they're, you know, a member of your family um, and that they provide empathy and love toward you and your, your family and your kids, but that they look at the greater outside environment um, and they're able to understand because of the microcosm they're taking care of which is they're feeding the cat they're giving it water they're taking it to the vet they're busy um, cleaning its litter box uh, so there's there's a maintenance and care that you have to do every day you can't just do it you know whenever you feel like it this animal is, is depending on you and being able to understand that long-term commitment you know, cats live, thankfully, a pretty long time. Yeah. Um, they can live between 10, 15, sometimes 20 years. Uh, dogs, not necessarily so. Uh, and it teaches them the phases of life that you go through yeah. with your animal who has been by your side the whole time. Plus, it, it gives you the unfortunate opportunity to say goodbye, um, but makes... I mean, when my friends and colleagues lose animals, I always, I always say to them, you know, this is the toughest part of animal ownership is losing them. But I would not want to have lived my life without them in it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it, it is a key point of why animals are important in the sense that it does give the ability, adults and children, to be able to work through difficult transitions in a way that prepares you for other difficult transitions. Um, but, you know, again, the, if, if you're able to work through it um, in the future, when you encounter something similar, you have developed those mechanisms, those coping mechanisms, and ideally healthy coping mechanisms, and you're able to confront difficult situations up to and including illness and death in a way that you're not able to if you haven't really taken the risk to include, you know, someone in your life. And in this instance, your cat, your dog, or, you know, it might be your potbelly pig or your, your, your bird or your fish. Bird. I mean, yeah, you I know, a bunch of pond fish and almost had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it really like when you're looking at it from a, a really deep human standpoint, pets do allow you to grow in ways that if you didn't have them, I think life would be much more traumatic and much more difficult. And aside from the fact that, yes, there's a, a shorter lifespan, so you're going to have to confront that, that actually, I think, is healthy 
um, to be able to confront that um, in a way that um, allows you to then prepare. I mean, for me, you know, I, I look at my future, whether it be my parents or my siblings or myself, and I know that I'm going to confront things as I kind of continue to grow older. And I, I can't tell you how many times, and you touch back to an event that happened with your guinea pig when you were eight years old or, you know, with your, any of your animals growing up through your preteens and teenagehood through a young adulthood and adulthood where you're like, I remember when this, and it allowed me to actually handle this. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big part of why I think pets are important is they, they're our teachers. Um, you know, being able to love something, well, being able to have something love you unconditionally um, is so rare. <laughs> I mean, it just really is like you eventually find your tribe, you find your people that love you relatively unconditionally. Um, but to have that animal that does it without question um, allows you to do the same thing. It actually teaches you how to be an unconditional lover and, um, and then allows you to get those experiences of loving that deeply and having to kind of work through it. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I could go, there, there are so many reasons animals are important for human development, but that connection and that um, ability to feel things really deeply with relatively low risk is, is pretty profound. And you must see that so often when you help veterinarians and pet service industries try to keep in touch with their, their clients on the technology side, or at least give uh, statistics or, or results in a way that is, is more empathetic, um, because technology has now given us the opportunity to keep our pets along, alive longer, which is a blessing, and also to communicate more fully with um, our veterinarians or our, you know, our veterinarians with us so that we can make sure that um, that pet gets the best care we can give it while it is loving us unconditionally. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, and that, that's, that, that goes back to why I've never really struggled finding motivation within this industry is that as long as I feel that the product that I'm representing has has some significant or tangible value to the end user. And the end user, in my opinion, is always the animal. If you can connect those dots that um, as you work through a piece of, you know, and again, technology is, as with anything, is only as good as, as how you use it or enable it um, or leverage it. But if you're able to work with a veterinary team, starting with a practice owner, practice manager, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the DVM team, the support staff, where they understand that if they implement something that might be as simple as a scheduling tool, uh, a operational workflow to, tool, you know, some things that are very not, you know, they're not flashy or exciting. They're, they're very, very operationally based. But if they're able to implement it and improve statistically, whether it's less wait time, it's better diagnosis, it's faster diagnosis, it's some of these very, very small incremental changes that at the end of the day, it's gonna create a more satisfied client and ultimately a better patient outcome. I don't have a problem 
discussing that or developing processes to promote or sell that any day of the week. You know, it's not snake oil. This is not some kind of, you know, um, product that is a vanity product. Um, anything that I've encountered within the vet space, sp specifically related to technology, these are not vanity products. These are products that are intended to incrementally change the outcome for the patient if they're employed, uh, deployed, used, enabled in the appropriate way. So that's, that's really where working within the industry, um, you can see it's easy because at the end of it, you have a, a patient, a cat, a dog, a guinea pig, like you said, a bird. It could be anything at this point, depending on the state. You know, some states, obviously, you can't keep ferrets, California. Um, but, you know, there are, there, there are different var varieties of what is your companion or pocket pets. But the fact that they are able to live longer based on preventative care or live longer based on emergency treatment at the right time is just huge. It's just huge. And it's so important. I know we've talked about this a number of times that um, clients, the pet owners, your daughter, um, be unafraid to ask curious questions because yeah. you're providing them with a service that is really possibly cutting edge that I have no idea about, and I might not want to look stupid, but really I know you and the people who you likely assist want the pet owner to ask those questions that may seem stupid to them, but really is important for efficacy and for following protocols. The veterinarian and the vet staff really need to know those questions. And if you ask them in a curious way, I don't think there's any vet in the world or vet help you know, technician, front desk people who are going to not want to answer that question. Well, and that's, you know, that, that's, that, that's a great point, but it's also, you know, it doesn't go without training. Um, and, and some, I know some of, jointly, some of the people we admire and have friendships with and have collaborative relationships with, partly it's because their focus is that we're not all just, we don't just come out the door in the morning and know exactly what to say and do. We have the best of intentions, we have great motivations. We might actually have a significant amount of training in certain specific areas, but when it comes to dealing with people, there still needs to be a training and growing and learning related to that. So that's where when you're talking about like your, your front desk environment, your vet tech environment, the, the DVM communication, you know, that ability to, to open yourself up to additional learning and training so you can connect with those clients. Um, because it, it has shifted, you know, it, it, it is, there is an expectation that the level of service in a veterinary practice is going to go above and beyond just the clinical. Um, there are pet owners, they want to understand, they want to know, they want to, they, they want reassurances, um, you know, just like you would for a pediatrician. And essentially that's, that's really the comparison. If you have a, a new parents that go into their pediatrician with a three month old child with an ear infection, they're going to ask you 20 different questions in five different ways to get comfortable. And, um, pet parents now are very, very similar. Um, but the other thing, if you flip that around, is that 
you know, acknowledging that the veterinary team is experiencing, in some cases, when we're, especially when we're not dealing with preventative care, you're experiencing both an animal and a, a client, a human, at their worst. Absolutely. In distress. In distress, at their worst. And, you know, if you were a paramedic or you were a 911 operator or you were anyone that was dealing with an emergent situation, you have training and you have ongoing training on how to deal and diffuse and work with situations. And so that's where I think that, you know, veterinary practices, as much as, as my area of expertise is employing technology, using technology, integrating data, learning more about your clients through technology, you know, some of the other leaders within our industry that are working directly with the human element, it is just just as much or more and kind of collaboratively in, um, kind of in line with the technology, technology advances need to go hand in hand with the human advances, the communication advances, um, because that's not going to change. We're still going to have that team that's working with humans and animals in distress. Um, and then again, if you're able to do that, you know, some of the best communicators that then use it in other less high emotion situations learned it based on high emotional situations and then can go in and mediate and discuss almost anything. And that's really what the teams need to, to also, you know, again, as they're developing their business plans, as they're developing how we're going to grow the business, stay profitable, get new clients, they need to look at the best equipment, you know, the best team training, the best technology, but they need to look at that communication element of how to become an excellent, you know, communicator and an extremist communicator and extremist. Because yes. what I have found in, in my practice, uh, you put it beautifully, you know, people are coming in the most wonderful, intelligent and, and loving client if their pet is in extremis and they come in can turn into um, Cujo because they want the best for their pet. They don't understand what you're doing, even though you, they might be a 20 year client. I've had so many 20 year clients come to me and say, I couldn't believe that Dr. Smith didn't do this. And and you're absolutely right. You're, you're facing a life and death situation possibly with a pet. The, the client is out of their mind with fear and grief. Uh, the veterinarians are trying to do what they need to do to, to, and especially since likely you're going to an emergency vet. If you go to your own vet, they might not have the opportunity and they say, go to the emergency vet, they have more. And then you're going into total strangers. And that really, I mean, we all know we like that comfort food, which is we'd like to go to our own vet with our own vet techs. And at least we have that level of trust. Um, and you're, it, so for me, I'll have you back because that, you know, human animal in distress issue is, is incredibly huge and why pets matter in that situation is you really have to take a step back um, both as the pet owner um, and as the, you know, team, the vet team to see that, that somebody might actually uh, be having an out of body experience yeah. and, and, and you, you need those skills. You are absolutely right. Those communication skills, you have all the technology and diagnostic in the world, but if you can't calm um, a distressed pet down or you can't calm a distressed client owner of the pet down, things can escalate and roll off the rails really quickly 
and you're like, wait a minute, what the heck happened just here? Well, and I, and I think that's, you know, when I envision and, you know, I, I think as we've, as we've talked and we have, you know, our, our professional kind of network and our colleagues, um, it's envisioning kind of that environment for a very well-run practice. And that allows for the technology to create that operational environment where a team member is able to stay present in the moment to have that conversation. It's when a practice is chaotic, when, th when things are going off the rails, um, or it's completely fly by the seat of your pants, that's when a practice opens themselves up for really having an event where someone is just thoughtless. They're not, um, they're not, um, spirited. They just didn't think before they, they opened their mouth. Think. They didn't think. And, and so that's, I mean, that's the cool thing about working within an industry where you see these different pockets of advancement and they all kind of come together and complement each other. And a big part of that is that human, um, human to human interaction, you know, ba based on that depth of commitment to this animal. So I think, you know, I, uh, one thing that happened recently that was, you know, it, it, and it was, it was, it was traumatic. It was, I, I ended up losing one of my cats um, who was relatively young, um, but it appeared to me early in the morning, she had had a seizure um, right next to me. So I knew right away something was wrong. And then as I was kind of assessing her, I knew that she had most likely passed. Um, there was not a whole lot of signs of life. But I, you know, I got her, I got her wrapped up and I put her in her carrier and I went to an emergency vet because at first off, I want to make sure I don't have any mechanism to, to know what her vitals are. Right. I wanted to make sure she was not in pain um, and that if she had passed that, she, you know, we could take a look and maybe find out what might have happened to her. But again, I'm going to an emergency vet. I'm distraught. I'm not in a good place. Um, the uh, attending um, veterinarian was wonderful. You know, she buzzed me in. It's, it's you know, five o'clock in the morning. She took my kitty. Um, she um, uh, assessed her, came back out, and, and gave me a likely cause of death. She's like, yes, she has definitely passed, and explained to me what likely could have happened. Um, but another um, client came in, and um, having overheard just the conversation, she came in with a small dog that had been vomiting all night. And when she was waiting to have her animal taken back, she's sitting there, just tears running down her face. And every time her little dog would shudder or would, would have any kind of like shivers, she would just continue just, so I'm crying, she's crying, we're sitting there together. And that was one of the thoughts I had is like, you have someone who is, and this was their business. They are an emergency clinic open at night and on holidays. This is all that they see. Um, and the capacity to still deal calmly and, and soothingly and compassionately in the worst situations but again, I'm sitting there and this animal is still clearly alive, having some issues, but, but doesn't seem to be in huge distress. But just the fact that there was that kind of overnight illness, you know, the, the, the woman was distraught. Yeah. And that's what we have to, you know, and, and, and that's kind of, kind of how I'll conclude this thought is we pushed 
within the industry for years for people to view their animals as pets that were part of the family. Family They're, companions, family members or companions? Family members. And now they do. So what are we going to do with it as an industry? And we have to now they do. Yep. We have to rise to the occasion and recognize this isn't a chair and this isn't, you know, a light. This is something that's living and breathing and, and really creates such a passion in our lives that we need compassion as we either help them transition or save them or whatever we're going to do. We need that um, compassion from everyone who's going to be handling the pets. Yeah. So, and that, you know, and that, that's kind of, you know, what I touched upon earlier. If, if this is the first time in your life, and there are, are, are many people that are either at risk or might have been going through, you know, um, you know, serious life trauma, addiction, you, you name it. And it's been proven time and again that, that in certain circumstances, having a companion animal or having a service animal or things like that has been incredibly um, beneficial. But even for just your normal kind of run of the mill, dealing with regular life, um, having a, a, an animal is oftentimes your first exposure to unconditional love. Yep. So when you put it in that term and you talk to a, a veterinarian or a vet tech or the receptionist and say, like, think of it this way. This is the only thing in your life that has ever loved you completely. And this is happening. Try to think of it that way as opposed to, well, it's a cl purely clinical or diagnostic. Because when you do that, it just is like, oh, of course they're freaking out. Yeah. It's not yeah. about me. Yeah, it's of not about me. They are. Yep. I always say that some of my clients have out-of-body experiences. They're really nice people, except when their pets get sick. So we're going to, we're absolutely going to have you back, Tiffany, because okay. this is such an incredible conversation about how veterinary practices can and should um, learn that more uh, um, empathetic and compassionate way of speaking to people, especially in an emergency situation, but even in a general situation. So I'm so glad you were here. I hope you had fun. I had a great time. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, heavy subject, but did it with such a plume. I love it. Um, this is Deborah Hamilton. Uh, random stream of consciousness is what I do. So have me back anytime. Oh, great. I, I'm so glad. Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Scheibel is with Tip the Scales Consulting. And I'm so glad she was here because she brought up such an important topic that we will cover again with her later on in the new year. Uh, this is Deborah Hamilton. You're listening to Why Do Pets Matter, a podcast. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton, and this podcast is my passion. Do you have a great guest or idea for a topic you'd like me to explore? Go to my website and click Contact at Hamilton Law and Mediation. That's Hamilton Law, L-A-W, and A-N-D, Mediation, M-E-D-I-A-T-I-O-N.com. Until next week. Our pets do matter. This is Deborah Hamilton thanking you for being here.